Welcome to the Punting is Winning podcast. Just two fans talking all things Hawkeyes. Here are your hosts, J.D. and Keith. Good afternoon. Welcome to episode number four of Punting is Winning. I'm your host, Keith, and my co-host here, J.D. Hello, everyone. Um, Just wanted to uh, jump in a little bit today, talk a little bit about the kind of the, the fan reaction that we've seen this week to uh, Tim Lester being named the offensive coordinator. What, what are your thoughts on what you've seen? You know, it's funny. I first, I didn't really know who he was. I hadn't really had a chance to research him at all. It was kind of a new, new call when we made our last podcast. And so we really didn't, I didn't know the guy. I didn't, didn't have any lineage on him. I just, what little bit I had read on him. But what I kept seeing through the week, just in various media outlets, was at first Monday, Tuesday, when it came down, everybody was just so hard on him. It was just like, oh, is this the best we could do? Oh, my, you know, this is terrible. Why? We had we had all this time to get somebody in here, and this is the best you could do. Mm-hmm. Oh, by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I think people were changing their tunes, starting to figure out that, you know what, this guy's not going to be too bad. And I think... It's just, it's unfortunate that it has to be like that, that the knee-jerk reaction is instantly negative. It's it's always going to be that way when it's somebody that you don't know or you don't necessarily think deserves it. You've already got a favorite of, oh, well, I've I've heard this guy interviewed. He would be my favorite. Well, there's a lot of people out there who have been head coaches, who've been offensive coordinators at, at lower levels that might be perfect for this job. You know, and you know that, Kirk Ferentz has spoken highly of him. He talked about him two years ago when, when Iowa played Western Michigan and he was the head coach there and talking about how he respected him and how he respected his offense. And, you know, I've watched some video of it on YouTube. I've, I've, there was a, somebody put out a video, it might have been a Hawkeye game film even showed, about his use of 12 personnel and how he meshes that with the RPO. And, and I think that's something that we have seen that needs – it's something that we've done before, but he's tweaking it to a point where it might be more successful than what we've had. And I think that's what people need to really stop and think about is, you know, give the guy a chance for one. Don't don't just, you know, say, oh, well, this is a terrible hire because he was an offensive analyst at, or a defensive analyst at Green Bay and, and he wasn't the person that, that I wanted. So automatically he's the wrong choice. No, I, you know, 25 years ago, I said it last week. University of Iowa hired a guy from Maine who had a non-winning record, had never coached at a Division One Power Five level, and I think that's worked out pretty well for him. It has. Um, one of the things, though, that I really, the more I look at it, the more I like it, is that he was, one, he was a quarterback, and he was a darn good quarterback at mm-hmm. Western Michigan. I realize it's Mac, it's not, you know, cool, but it, they did throw the ball a lot. They do have a lot of offensive. It's like a when you look at the Mac, you always see 56, 49, you know, scores 38, 35. Mm-hmm. A lot of offense, not a lot of defense. But that's really not his thing, anyways. Defense. But I like the fact that he was a quarterback, and I like the fact that he's going to be a quarterback coach as well as an OC. That has got to pay dividends for people like Cade, Marco Linez, and Ever- James Resar. All the guys we got coming in are going to be able to learn from him and take notes and learn technique, learn footwork, and, and how to get the ball out 
quickly and and accurately to get us moving that ball down the field. If we can just come up with, I think if we did what they were expecting Brian Ferentz to get, 25 points a game. That should be doable. We, Iowa should be no worse than 10 and 2. I would agree. And, and, and you know, going back to that, talking about him being a quarterback, you know, you could use the argument, well, John Budmeyer was a quarterback, but he wasn't as prolific as this guy was at the college level. I don't even remember John Budmeyer at, at Wisconsin that well. No. So, you know, to, to compare that is, is kind of unfair as well. So I, I would agree, you know, to me, give the guy a chance. It's not, you know, don't devalue the hire based on the fact that you don't like it or you don't think it was the right one because there's other factors that we as fans don't understand how that meshes with the personnel that are already on the roster. And, you know, maybe that's what what set him above Kevin Johns was, hey, his philosophy meshes better with what we currently have. Kevin Johns, I might have to go out and hit the transfer portal to get different offensive linemen, or I have to teach a different offensive philosophy to my linemen. That's not going to be something that happens overnight. And I think he's looking at this fact that this year, He's got another good defense. He's got another opportunity to win 10 games. And he's not going to change drastically, but there are small, subtle changes within that offensive scheme that worked with what we had. And, you know, what Brian Ferentz tried to do but couldn't do, he's got a little bit better of a grasp on it, I think, from from the experience standpoint of being an offensive coordinator and being a head coach. Yeah, I, I really do like... I like the idea of Tim Lester. I, the, the thing that's going to really tell the tale to the end of the season is how much he's going to be able to input his philosophy into what Iowa already runs, what Kirk Ferentz is comfortable with. If it comes down to we to run more 12, we need to run the tight end a different way, we need to put different players in motion just to add tweaks, add things that the defense – especially the Big Ten defenses that have seen Iowa for years and years and years, have never seen and go, uh-oh, uh, we've seen us on tape, but we, we don't know week to week. You actually have to prepare for them now. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of just saying, oh, you guys remember last year when we did Iowa? Same thing. Just go over it quick, 15 minutes, and you're good. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and, and I've read the, the interview that I don't remember who had it, and they talked about, I mean, I think it was with Gary Dolphin and, he said he wants to be balanced, run pass. There's nothing wrong with that, and and people immediately think, oh well, he's not going to change from what we're what we've seen. This is the same old stuff, different day. But there's different ways to run the ball than what we've been doing. Maybe yeah, he wants to run 50 percent of the time, but that's not an, on a inside zone now. Maybe that's this. You know, we we start seeing a little bit more RPOs with more of the mobile quarterbacks and and the two back sets. That's still running the ball. That's still having a running offense like we've had. It's just a different scheme to what they've done. So that's what I'm looking forward to because that's what I've seen on tape from from his offenses at Western Michigan. So Kelton Copeland is out. Yep. We have not officially hired a wide receiver coach. However, there are rumors floating about of John Budmeyer. What are your thoughts? Uh, there have been rumors about who the offensive coordinator was too, and they turned out to be wrong. Yeah. So. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take it as the gospel until I see it from the prominent media members and an official announcement. So, I, you know, if it's Budmar, so be it. Stand behind him. This is this is the team. This is the coaching staff that we've got. You got to support him. 
I think you could bring in somebody who has been a wide receiver. Marvin McNutt would be perfect. Marvin McNutt <laughs> would be perfect. Although, you know, he's at Co. is it? I, I, yeah, I think so. Just up the road. But you could bring in, you know, you don't have to bring in a wide receiver to coach wide receivers. You can bring in a defensive back to coach wide receivers because they know what the wide receivers are doing just as much as a wide receiver does. So somebody like a Jovan Johnson comes to mind there. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of former players that fit with the, 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 scheme. the scheme, not necessarily the scheme, but the, the family atmosphere that is the Iowa football team and, and the organization. And these guys have been in it and they know it, they, they embraced it. So, you know, that, that would be to me, those would be home run type of hires. I don't know if they would be in, in reality because, you know, they've not coached at that level. So, you know, but yeah. you got to get your start guys, There's a lot of guys on the staff already that probably never did, like uh, LeVar Woods. I don't know that he ever coached anywhere except Iowa for, huh? for a Power 5 level. Abdul Hodge comes in, linebacker, coaching tight ends. You know, it has worked out well. Yeah, I mean, it has. that's if we're not known for tight end you for nothing. So well, right now, I think we should just take a wait and see approach to what yeah. happens and not overreact to the rumors. Bud Meyer just may, he may end up getting the job. He may not end up getting the job. We'll just have to let Kirk decide and figure it out and get behind whoever it is. Yep. I say support him regardless. So, so on that note, what do you say we transition to a little men's basketball and talk about the week that was? Yeah, it was a one in one week for the men's basketball team. We, uh, they actually lost to, at Indiana, 74-68, uh, and then came home last night on Friday night and, and defeated Ohio State, 79-77. Yeah, it, I watched the Indiana game till we got down to by 15, I think it was 30-15, to 15, and uh, I was a little frustrated at that point, so I, I turned it over for a little while, but... Uh, um, I did turn it back over when it started getting closer, and uh, you know, it's just I think they had to spend so much energy getting back into it that you know that 8-0 run that closed out the game was was kind of inevitable at that point. I think because I think they were, you know, they had spent themselves getting to that point. Uh, one of the things that kind of, I watched the whole game. One of the things that bothered me, we got down by 15, 17, I think it was the worst we got down, but. Um, we fought and fought and fought to get back. But I think one of the things that, that really hurt us was early in the game, probably the first inside the first 10 minutes, I think Indiana had six blocks at the rim that Khalil Ware just, he was taking everybody's shot and throwing it right back into their face. And it was very intimidating to Iowa. And so I think they kind of went away from, hey, let's go inside and see if we can score some buckets in the lane because that's what we're kind of known for. Mm -hmm. Um, didn't help that Owen Freeman got into some foul trouble. Um, one of the things that really that hurt us too was we got out rebounded by 13. Um, and a lot of them offensive seem, rebounds. Yeah, I couldn't seem to get any loose balls. It seemed like everything that was non-possession by somebody that was a, a ball that was free on the court. It seemed like nine times out of ten, Indiana came up with it, not Iowa. So. It's frustrating that they fought back. They actually took the lead. Um, I don't know, they were by four or six. And then just couldn't hang on to it. Couldn't make the defensive stops that they absolutely had to have to keep Indiana at bay. And, and um, you know, ended up just, I think, running out of gas, like you said. I don't think they had the energy left to, 
that really sustained that last defensive, especially the last two minutes. Yeah, and, and I think that the they don't know their identity. And and what I mean by that is, you know, we've had those those teams where you knew the identity, the Luka Garza teams. That was, uh, you know, we could hit from the outside. We were a three-point shooting team. Or we, you know, with Garza, we could go inside pretty easily. I think this team is a mid-range team. they And they haven't embraced that philosophy of that is the best way for them to win games. Tony Perkins takes over when he's hitting in the mid-range. You know, it's tough to stop. You got Khalil Ware blocking everything at the rim. You're not hitting from three-point range. Rely on your mid-range game. Yeah. You know, you've had you've had Ben Cricky. You call him the mid-range master, who's he's been off the last few Didn't games. Have a good night, that you know. Night. But you know, that's where I think they they get away from that a little early. You know, oh, we're down by 17. We got to start popping from three all the time. And you know, I, I see a lot of ill-advised shots. You know. Maybe too early in the shot clock. Yeah, you're in transition, but you know I saw it last night. I think Perkins come down and he took a, uh, it was a four on three or a five on four, and he stopped and popped from you know about three four feet behind the three point line. Of course, didn't make it, and Ohio State gets the rebound. You missed out on a five on four opportunity where you could have maybe gotten it into the mid range or even in you know possibly for a layup. You know it's just. That's the thing that they, they tend to go away from is they, they start to lose a little bit of what their, their true identity is, what they want their identity to be, and what it truly is are two different things. They want to be that three-point shooting team, you know, because Fran has said he feels like this could be his best three-point shooting team, and they just haven't been. And they, I think they, they get a little stubborn at times and say, oh, I'm you know, we're a three-point shooting team. We're going to continue to launch from out here. I'm not saying that that's always a bad thing. But when you have proven mid-range game, you know, you saw it last night with Josh Dix, with uh, Sanford, and with Tony Perkins. Those guys have been excelling in that mid-range. You know, obviously Peyton's got, you know, he's, he's your three-point specialist. That's, that's a given. But those guys are hitting from the elbow, hitting from the free-throw line extended. You know, it's just, there's so much that they can do that they kind of seem to get away from at crucial times during a game. Well, right now, Iowa, they're they're in this stage of it's a must-win to, to even get mm-hmm. mentioned to be on the bubble. There's going to be days when they're going to have off nights, but I got to tell you, I'm so thrilled with the way Tony Perkins and Peyton Sanford and especially Josh Dix have been playing. They have been playing lights out. And I'm not saying the other guys haven't been because I think Owen Freeman's good, but he's still a freshman. He's got things to learn. He's got technique he got footwork that he still needs to work on uh, he's learned better perimeter or uh, inside defense um, there's a lot of things he needs to still kind of get figured out but he will but just you know you talk about indiana peyton sanford 25 points you talk about um was it uh tony yeah, 26 perkins had was, yeah, was 26 or 26 that night it was a lot it was, they they were the main scorers and you know, Josh Dix, I think, only had 10 against Indiana. Then you come back uh, and we talk about Ohio State. Now, that game is the quintessential game. If you're going to introduce somebody to college basketball and have it be exciting, there was a five points that separated those teams. There was never more than five points mm-hmm. that separated those teams the whole game. In fact, I think Indi- uh, Ohio State had a four-point lead and Iowa had a five-point lead late. That's the farthest they got from each other. And that was a back and forth, 
lead changes. It was a really quality basketball game to watch. Was it played perfectly? Absolutely Fundamentally not. new. <laughs> but uh, I got to do I, one thing I need to, I would be remiss if I didn't call out Iowa. They are shooting free throws at a very high level, and it helped Tops. against Ohio State by no – I mean, it was – That was, the, that was the difference. It was the difference. Yeah, Patrick McCaffrey stepped up, hit seven in a row. Yep. That right there is something that, that Iowa has been – I've always yelled at Iowa about free throws, free throws, free throws, and they are hitting. In fact, uh, I think – They're the leading the conference, 77%. I thought I saw Wisconsin was like .3 ahead of them. Eh, maybe, but I, I, I know they were top – Three and I think Ohio State was what seventy-seven or fourth one percent. I think was a team they're yeah. shooting free throws and and Indiana they were eighty-four percent. I think last night they were eighty-one percent. Um, but yeah, absolutely had to have that game last night in order to salvage. I don't know the glimpse, the hope of even being getting being on the bubble on the of bubble. being on the bubble. <laughs> and I think sometimes right now you got to start thinking about. You're jockeying for position in the Big Ten so that when the Big Ten tournament comes up, you can get yourself in the proper position, seeding-wise, to make a run. At least get yourself to Saturday. Maybe, you know, if you really get it hot, you can get to Sunday. I don't know if anybody, unless a Northwestern seems to play Purdue really tight, unless Purdue would lose to Northwestern somewhere down the line, I just I think you just about rubber stamp Purdue for the championship. But I think they're that good. Um, I think they get Wisconsin will have something to say about it too. Supposedly. Well, you know, talking about Purdue, that's a whole different subject, and we could, I could go on and on. But that free throw disparity the other night against yeah. Northwestern, um, oh. you know, and and to think that with that disparity, Northwestern still pushed them to overtime. Yeah, and I think Chris Collins he got ejected from that game for basically running out of the court during play. Yeah, that was he was justified. It was a hook and hold. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was no question about it, and they missed calls all the time and that's just you know that's part of the game it's the human factor well and you know i want to i don't want to miss out on the opportunity to throw uh some kudos out to logit and bailey i mean that he has embraced he's figured out his role his role is to go out there rebound as best he can but he is he's he's a monster defender right now yeah and he's he's starting to figure out how to do it without fouling you know i I noticed he, he got what two three fouls last night but he played a lot, and he, you, you see the confidence that they have in him. He's, what, one of the first two off the bench? Yeah, yeah. You know, he had a lot of minutes last night. Yeah. He did play quite a bit. And Owen, you know, had his third foul pretty early on in the second half and sat quite a bit, but he did come back. He didn't foul out. Owen Freeman did not foul out last night. I don't night. think he picked up a fourth foul either. Uh, I think he picked up a fourth, but he didn't definitely didn't get the fifth. I think the fourth one came pretty late. But um, just, yeah. Get that kind of contribution from a freshman, especially one that plays in the position. That is a difficult position when you're that tall and you've got to go up against. Usually, you know, most of the time your post players are are older players that have been around and they are skilled. They have technique that is rivaled. No one rivals. And to sit in there as a freshman and play as well as he does is – it's refreshing to see, and I'm excited for the future of him. Yep. When his offense comes around, it, he's he's got a lot of potential when that offense rolls around. He's he's got the right body frame. He's he's got the right mentality when it comes to the defensive side, and you know he just needs to to work on those offensive skills. He's got skills. 
you know, he can shoot. He just needs to pick the right times to shoot. And I think that's what he's learning to do right now. And, and I'm just, I'm thrilled and, and looking forward to, to what he's going to bring to the table over the next two, three years. Yeah. I'm excited for him too. And, uh, let's, uh, let's move to the upcoming schedule for Iowa men's. Let's see Thursday night, I think six o'clock central they have at Penn state. Which is not going to be an easy game no, after what we saw today. No, Indiana figured out real fast that Penn State's for real. Yep. And uh, then we got Minnesota at home on Sunday. It's a two o'clock start. Be hopefully we get Carver rocking and uh, get get a, a pretty good vibe going from there. Yep, I would agree. And yeah, definitely don't take that uh, that Minnesota team for granted either. They have the ability to, to come into Carver and punch you in the face and. and walk out of there with a win too yeah. so you can't take any game lightly at this point anyway it's in this conference even though as a conference as a whole i think it's down from what it's been in, in years past um there's like you said there's definitely the top two with wisconsin and, and purdue and then the rest is kind of eh, you know anybody can beat anybody yeah. any given night then yeah and and it's been that's been shown you know mm-hmm. illinois they're definitely not invincible they they're you know, you lose to Maryland again. That's we did that as well. But you know, it's there's not a lot of teams in that, you know, from that three to twelve range. They all can beat each other. Yep. I think when you get down to the the, the Rutgers and I don't know, you know, Rutgers just Rutgers is so hit and miss that it's hard to it's hard to know which team you're going to get. Yeah, it's like Ohio State. They said mm-hmm. last night several times on the television broadcast that this is the youngest team in the Big Ten. Yeah, well, I pray for the the rest of the teams in about two years when they if they don't lose a bunch of transfers, they are going to be the top dog. I, they're just they've There's got a lot some of good players, really good players. Jameson Battle's leaving, obviously, but and he was their top scorer last night. But he was is he the only senior seven, starter? He is the only senior starter, and he did seventeen last night. So. Yeah, so I think we need to talk a little bit about uh, the Iowa women's basketball team and and how they fared this week and. Uh, the accolades that continue to pour down and, and the records that Caitlin Clark's breaking. Um, they had the one game this week against Northwestern. Yes, Northwestern, a win, 110 to 74. Um, wasn't, it was, it was kind of a closer game early. And Northwestern had, they had kind of wanted to, they were playing very, very physical with Iowa early. And I think it took them by a little bit of a surprise. Um, but once they realized that, okay, well, this is how you want to play it, and we're going to play it that way. And then they kind of figured out how to pull away from Northwestern and, and uh, eventually ended up winning by whew, 36, 36. Yeah, I, I think all the, the betters, the, their new favorite players, Jada Gimfi, who <laughs> hit that three-pointer to put them up. It was a 35-point. It was a 35-and-a-half-point yeah. spread. Yeah. So. Um, I don't really normally pay attention to that because I'm not a better and I don't really not care either. about point spreads to me. The only point spread that matters is at the end of the game, I have one more point than the other, the opposing team. So that's all that matters to me. That's why I've said that for years that I couldn't care less about point spreads and how much you're favored by. And Oh, is that a good win, a bad win? Any win's a good win. I don't care. Um, I don't care if it's a one point win over the worst team in the country. It's still a good win because it's better than a loss. Yes. Well, let's talk about Caitlin again. 35 rebounds, 35.6 rebounds, 10 assists. Yeah, she's, um, a, she's a machine. Keep moving up on the list. I think she's number two now. Yeah, yeah she surpassed uh, 
Kelsey uh, Mitchell and Jackie Styles um, on was it Wednesday night that that game it was. was? A Wednesday night game. Yeah. So on Peacock on the on, on Peacock. Yes. Um, I don't care that that doesn't bother me. What medium it's on, I do. I do dislike the fact that I have to pay for something else. But I'll tell you what, not to get away from just the basketball game in and of itself, but I was not a fan of Aaliyah Boston when she played for South Carolina. But I'll tell you what, she knows her stuff. And she is very, very good in the studio, which is very complimentary. I, I mean, I know that possibly that could be the fact that she's hoping that Caitlin comes out and will be her teammate next year, because I think she plays for Indiana as well. But I, I am impressed with her knowledge and, and her presentation on those those halftime broadcasts, those post-game um, interviews that she has. So not to get away from... from what Caitlin Clark has done. I mean, the, the, the girl is an absolute machine on the court. You know, and my wife and I were talking about this the other day. I said, the thing of it is, is, is what's so much more impressive about her is the fact that everybody knows the offense flows through her and everybody game plans to stop her and nobody can. That's yeah. what's the impressive part. She just goes out and she does what she does. And that's, you know, honestly, that's why... She's probably going to go down as the, the greatest women's basketball player in NCAA history. I mean, she's obviously barring an injury. I mean, God, if, if she gets injured tonight or anything like that, I will probably bang my head against the wall for saying this. But barring an injury, she will break the NCAA scoring record. Uh, hopefully she does that at home because I'd like to see the roof completely get blown off the Carver Hawkeye Arena that yeah. night. But, you know, she just, you, you can't, defender you can't stop what she's going to do even though you know it's coming she is a master of creating space when it comes to making her shot she she can either do that step to the left step to the right step back and she's got a very very quick release on her shot is yeah. like a, i saw the other day point four, point three. four three Man, same as steph curry steph curry yeah, yeah that's I mean, and you know to be mentioned in the same breath as him you know you know you're doing something right yeah and you know, I, I I would love to see her come back for another year, just because I'm uh, I'm greedy as a Hawkeye fan. But wouldn't know, that be something? I yeah. don't think it's going to happen. No, I, I don't think so either. I think she, with Kate Martin leaving and Molly Davis leaving, Gabby yeah. Marshall gone, I she's probably just wanting to move on and see what the next level has in store for her. Yeah, and I, I think the the basketball team will take a small step back. I think there's still a lot of talent on the team, and they're bringing in quality talent um the only thing that does concern me is is some of the uh incoming commitments have had some season ending injuries over the last couple weeks Uh, we don't know how that's going to affect their ability to to get into the flow at this point you've got almost what eight nine months to rehab to get when they start back into that summer workout program so um you know, you're going to have to find somebody who can replace that. But you've got a you've got a building block in a Hannah Stolke. You've got, um, you know, you still have Sharon Goodman. You've still got Taylor McCabe. Yep. Um, so you've still got some pe- some players that you can build around. And and you know, Lisa Bluter is is a fantastic coach, and she knows how to put the team together. You know, nobody expected them to be as good as they've been over the past what five, six, seven years. You know, you've had. Big Ten Player of the Year, Megan well, Gustafson. Well, you've had Megan Gustafson. You had um, Monica Sonano. Uh, Monica was never Big Ten Player of the Year, but there was um, 
Oh shoot, who was the girl right before Megan Gustafson? She was a big three-point specialist. But you know, it's it's amazing what she, the talent that she's been able to to get to come to Iowa City, and I think Caitlin Clark effect will affect that going forward as to saying, oh, you know, hey, I can go there and look at how they've treated her. She is like, she's the queen of Iowa. And, you know, if I can be half as good as her, they're going to be, they're going to, you know, I'm going to be lauded with, with accolades from the fans. And that's, I think that's, as fans, that's one thing that we are very well known for is, you know, for the most part, we stand behind our players and when we've got, we have such tremendous fan support for those players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, especially this year, you've seen the, the Caitlin Clark effect where, you know, even the opposing arenas are selling out and tickets are going for just astronomical prices. You know, those people are not only there to, to root on their team, but they're there to see Caitlin Clark play. And I think each one of them, even though they may be a fan of, let's say, Maryland or Rutgers or wherever they play, They've got a little bit of love for Kate Clark and their system, and they just—that's probably part of the reason. Well, that's why they go. I mean, was it Northwestern the other day had the highest amount of attendance that they had ever had for a women's game? Yeah, you know, it's you—you've got a chance to see a generational talent. Absolutely, you're going to take it. It it doesn't matter if it's plays for your team or plays for the opposing team. You're going to—you're going to want to go see that. If I had an opportunity to go see, you know, Steph Curry come to Iowa or come close to Iowa where I could go, I would go watch him. You know, it's, he's, he's a generational type of talent. LeBron James is a generational talent. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. Obviously that's from our time frame more, more than anything, but you know, it's, we couldn't go see Michael Jordan because, you know, economically it wasn't feasible at the time. Now that we are in, you know, in, in our adulthood and, you know, Michael Jordan was eighties, nineties, early 2000s i i couldn't have afforded to go see a game of michael jordan but i i could go see a caitlin clark game and i i i don't want to pay that type of money to go see it because it's i I, i've got a better seat on tv but i would go see it if i had an opportunity to you know you talked about the future of the iowa team and i hate to to jump ahead especially when we're in the middle of of a good season but I think the thing that we need to, that Iowa needs, especially Lisa Bluter needs to worry about next year is if you look at this year's team, every player that brings the ball up the court is going to be gone. Uh, Gabby brings it up occasionally. Kate Martin brings it up occasionally. Caitlin brings it up most of the time. Molly Davis. Molly Davis brings it up sometimes. All of those, all of those girls are going to be gone next year, assuming Caitlin leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one of the most important things is, is bringing in a player who has the ability to handle the ball, move the ball up the court, not get sucked into traps on the sideline and have to scream out for help. That's where Caitlin just knows that you don't do that. You stay in the middle. You pass to somebody that's in the middle. If you start seeing a second player come at you, you know what they're trying to do. It's sometimes very difficult for young players to understand what is happening and why it's happening and at what point the game doesn't happen. Those, those are pretty savvy things that you have to think about. She's good at it. She's very good at it, in fact. And I think next year you're going to have to have a player. You're going to have to find a player. You maybe have to go into the transfer portal. You may have to find somebody that is a true point guard who has the, the skill level required in order to, to 
bring it up, bring that ball up the court against Big Ten defenses, and that's going to be difficult to do. We've been so spoiled that we've had people that could do that and uh, never have really an issue, but there are other teams that do have that issue. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you say other teams, I, I, you look at a good team like in Indiana, you know, I think the, the Indiana is one player away from being a Final Four type of team, and that was Grace Berger. Yep. You know, she was the primary ball handler, and they don't have that this year. I think that's why we saw Iowa just absolutely boat racing in Iowa City is because they're, they understand, Iowa understands that Grace Berger's no longer there, and they can put some more pressure on the younger ball handlers. And, I, and we saw more turnovers in that game than I think Indiana's used to seeing. Yep. And that really comes down to the fact that they didn't have the premier ball handler. You can have good ball handlers, but that premier ball handler is what can separate you from being a Final Four type of team or just maybe a Sweet 16 team. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, they say that it, no matter what happens, defense and point guard, those are the things you got to have. You got to have a good point guard and you got to have a good defense. If you got both of those, you're in a contender every year. Well, and then transitioning just slightly from that, that's where I think Purdue on the men's side is going to have some struggles. You know, it's their primary focus or focal point of their offense. You know, granted, they do have good guard play. They don't have superior guard play, but they have good guard play. You, you look at a Zach Eady, who he's he's better than 95% of the players he's going to go against. Not Nine times out of ten, it's because he's six inches taller than they are anyway. But he's also got the experience. But I think he gets he gets the benefit in the conference of calls that maybe he's not going to get in the NCAA tournament. And once he is in foul trouble, that's a completely different Purdue team. Yep. So. Yep. Well, yeah. it's uh, that way with a lot of teams. If their star player gets into foul trouble, then they're they're going to have to make an adjustment and figure it out. But yeah, he's. A huge, huge part of their team. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. So tonight, the Iowa women get to play at Maryland. Now, Maryland's a little down, but they still have some firepower. They still can get you if you aren't on your game. Yeah. They are They are good enough that... Uh, Iowa hasn't won there. Yeah. Difficult place to win. Caitlin Clark has never beat Maryland at Maryland. And, you know, I look at the fact that the, the last game Maryland played I, that I remember, they played Penn State. Penn State's a good team. They're, yeah. they're not a, a superior not a, team in the conference, right. but they're a good team. I, I put them, like, in the lines of, like, a Michigan State. They're the type of team that can beat you. Maryland could do the same thing. But, I mean, Penn State just absolutely boat raced them. I think that was a 30-point win. And that surprised me, that, that and that happened at Maryland. So I don't know what we're going to see tonight out of this Maryland team. Is it going to be the same team that came and showed up against Pitt State? Or are they going to be motivated because they don't want to see that happen again, that they have the opportunity to knock off Iowa? And knowing that they've beaten Iowa four straight at Maryland. Yeah, um, I watched them the other day when they played Indiana, and Indiana had a pretty good-sized lead at the first at the end of the first half. But then I think they... I think it was a situation where Maryland, just for pride's sake, didn't want to get completely destroyed. So they close, they got the game a little bit closer, and it got actually a little bit too close for Indiana. They weren't too happy about it. But 
it ended up being I think a seven or eight point game uh, at the end, but they were they, they'd come back on them and and you know it's it's a tale of two halves with with Indiana. You know they they're good the first half and then they kind of I think they probably got a little laxed a little or bit. they got a little pressure on the defensive side and again that's where it comes into that not having that premier ball handler that that any of us had in the last few years so yeah. okay so you know we're we're looking at tonight's game i think we're gonna well, i don't know i it's a it's gonna be a good game i'm just excited to watch it it's uh seven o'clock eight o'clock tonight yeah no, seven o'clock it's the it's the fox primetime yeah. game I, yeah. i'm i'm a little concerned about that with the the caitlin cam i'm not uh, uh yes. how much of a distraction that might be you know for her, maybe it's not because she's so used to it. It's not going to be anything to her. She's just going to be like, eh, whatever. Just another game for her. To me, I would be worried as a coach that it's too much of a, it might be too much of a distraction, especially on the road. But, you know, it, again, it's Caitlin Clark. I don't think we really need to worry too much about whether she's distracted. She seems to be very, very focused this year. Um, based on the numbers, she's averaging 32 points a game. That's, that's video game numbers. Yep. Well, after two games on the road, tonight being the second, we Iowa gets to come back and play Penn State on Thursday at 8 o'clock, and it is a home game. Um, again, Penn State. Very capable. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, good games, bad games. They're certainly not as bad as they've been in the years gone by. I could always just say, especially the last two years. I remember last year they beat them like, I don't think Iowa scored under 100 both games. Yeah. And uh, but this year I think they're a much much improved team. Yeah, they're moving back to the the caliber of what they were about three four years ago. You know, they were three four or five years ago with Megan Gustafson at Iowa. They were Penn State was as a perennial top twenty five team. Yeah, they were so good. They're getting back to that. You know, yes, they've had a couple of down years last two years, but uh, I'm very glad that we get them at Carver and not on the road. I I would not want to have that be on the road, but. It, it could happen. It could, you know, we've we've seen losses happen at home to teams that we should probably have beaten. So anything can happen. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things too this week is that uh, LSU lost twice, Kansas State lost, and Iowa will probably move up to number two in the nation this week. Doesn't that just break your heart that LSU lost <laughs> twice? Yeah, I don't have a problem with Bayou Barbie losing. Yeah, well, and and Kim the Show Mulkey. Yeah. Well, with that, let's wrap it up for this week. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, other place we can go to find our podcast, we do have a Facebook page, Punting is Winning. If you search for that, you should be able to find that. We also have uh, an account on Twitter or X, however you want, whatever you want to call it, whichever uh, generation you are that wants to call it X, you can do it, whatever. But uh, also search Punting is Winning there. Um, soon to come, we might start putting some clips out on TikTok or uh, other forms of social media. Um, you just but, have to stay tuned for that part. Yeah, and, and honestly, you got friends or family that you think that might be interested in listening to what a couple of old dudes have to say about Iowa sports, then please share the link with them, pass it on. You know, they might be able to relate to some of the stuff we're talking to talking about, and, and uh, we'd love to have feedback we'd love to have more listeners we love to, to know that people enjoy that we're doing this yeah, because give us, give us a comment tell us what you want to hear uh, if you like more basketball or you like more football 
if you just wanted us to go off on something completely different, let us know. You know we may be able to do that too. I'm not sure. It's quite honestly, I when we first thought about doing this, I didn't wasn't sure how I felt about it, but I've it's grown on me, and I really enjoy doing this. So I love bringing this to people outside of these four walls of my house. So um, spread the word and uh, let us know what you think. And with that, we'll talk to you again next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.